When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with knowledge so you're empowered, so you can make better financial decisions in your life. It's my favorite day of the week, Clark Stinks Friday, where I get to listen to your complaints, your suggestions, your corrections about me straight ahead. Also in this episode, something else that stinks, There's a new report that some of my beloved credit unions aren't behaving like they should for their members. We're going to talk about that, what you should be on the lookout for. But right now, it's time for Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay, Clark you stink as much as some of one-star hotel rooms in your advice to put a wedge door stop under the hotel door for protection. A lot of people wrote in about this and commented on the YouTube video. On carpeting, the wedge will simply slide or the door will go right over it as the carpet pad compresses. A larger wedge will stick out into the hallway side of the door and can easily be moved out of place with a screwdriver or stick. A door stop alarm or a motion sensor doorknob is a little better as it may sound off at least 110 decibels when moved, but again, it just acts as an alarm and may not stop the intruder. For hotel safety from inside your room, use a 110 decibel or louder alarm and also jam the ironing board or the back of the chair under the doorknob. Also, don't forget to check the room for cameras and bed bugs. Happy travels, Cheryl. Cheryl, thank you. You know, the irony of that is when I was talking about the video and the NBC report and all that, I talked about how when I was in a bad neighborhood in an unsafe hotel and I was stuck, that I had put a chair under the doorknob and that's a better idea than my handy little So some people are saying, yep. Well, the, the shocker was I didn't know there were those devices that hotels have to be able to break into a room for a wellness check. Had you ever heard of that? I had not, but I assumed that they'd be able to get into any room. Okay. But if you have your doorstop in, they may not be able to. If you need a wellness check, that's another thing to consider. Right. Okay. Your comment about checks being obsolete smells like a week old conch hanging in the summer Florida sun. That's smelly. Ooh, yeah, it is smelly. One, I will send a check to the DMV and county tax assessor to avoid paying the convenience fees, which are monstrous and gigantic. (laughs) Two, 2.75% for credit cards, three, 1.75% for debit cards and 75 cents for an e-check, which means of course they have a checking account access at that point. I will always send a check for magazine subscriptions to avoid the mandatory auto renewal that they can't do if you send a check. And by the way, I put my outgoing mail with a check enclosed directly into the main post office inside the box. Like you say, inside box. in the inside box, like you say, mailbox theft is widespread. And here they weld the opening down so that it's harder to fish mail out with a coat hanger and duct tape at midnight. 
Longtime loyal listener who prefers not to smell weak old conch. Ha ha. Thanks for all that you do, Clark. We appreciate you. You do an amazing job, David. David, thank you. I'm not going to be able to get that image of conch out of my head, but I appreciate what you're saying. There's just so many problems with paper checks and the compromise, I would say, at least get safety checks that make it harder for a criminal to wash and change the payee and the amounts on the one. Clark, you smell like a homemade gallon of mead made from peanut butter, honey, and cane sugar. Very specific. What is that? In response to Mike's October 16th episode where his sister flew to Nigeria and married a man, please advise his sister by no means to joint sponsor a K-1 visa. I flew to another country years ago, married a foreign citizen, then brought her back to the States on a K-1 visa. She used the marriage to gain career opportunities in the U.S. My parents were joint sponsors of her K-1 visa. We are legally responsible to financially sponsor her. And that's even after divorce proceedings. That's from Joe. Joe, thank you. Um, That was a difficult question. And I struggled with how to answer that one when it came in. That one was hard. I thought you did a good job. I mean, you said this could be real too, you know, so... Our fare this Christmas was not cheaper 10 weeks out. You usually advocate for waiting six weeks to purchase airfare. About a month ago, you stated that for this holiday season, 10 weeks out will be the sweet spot and that we should be booking around mid-October. That was, that was actually research from Google Flights, as I remember, that based on historical patterns, they had extrapolated that the likeliest, cheapest time would be roughly 70 days out. I checked the prices from Nashville to Pensacola on September 18th, and they were $119 each way. After a couple of days, they were about $129 each way. But I was determined to hold steady and see if Clark was right about this. Even though my father said Southwest tickets seem to just get pricier as the date gets closer, and I should go ahead and purchase, in my head I kept thinking, but Clark said... I had fair alerts set up through Google Flights, and though the prices of with American and Delta did fluctuate up and down, Southwest always seems to win for me and those two airports. For me, 14 weeks was a sweet spot. I ended up booking for $257.96 round trip, which is about $20 more than it was back in September. Please take this into consideration when tracking the cost of holiday flights, Brent. Brent, thank you. Southwest fares have been very, very irregular this year. Ever since they had the meltdown at Christmas time, the reputational harm they suffered means that Southwest has been doing very unusual sale patterns on their tickets. And even if historically, and you were seeing in this case, the fares move up, moving closer, that's not necessarily been the way it's played out routinely with Southwest this year. But the thing from Google, what I've said about tickets is if you travel somewhat frequently, when you see a fare you're happy with, buy it, but keep shopping because there's no penalty now for change or cancellation. You don't get your money back, but you have basically gift certificate money moving forward. And so when you see a fare that you're comfortable with, buy that fare. And then later, if a cheaper fare comes along, you get a credit for that, especially if it's on that airline, you got money to use in the future. I just about fell out of my seat. 
from the stank when Clark said gas stations only put a $1 hold on your credit card. Clearly, he hasn't visited a gas station in a while or worse, hasn't looked at his credit card after going to one. Gas stations no longer put a $1 hold on your credit card. It is at least $100 and I have seen it as high as 200. I noticed this ever since COVID. Here's a recommendation for you and your listeners. Check if your bank will allow you to send text notifications on charges. I have a $1 threshold and get texts as soon as a charge or hold goes on my card. I always see these holds no matter what, Daniel. Daniel, I have no experience with what you're referring to. Now, with a hold, a hold is brutal if you have a debit card. The hold just demolishes you because... It can even trigger return checks and things like that because the money that's put on hold essentially reduces the balance in your account. With a credit card, a hold of a dollar, a hundred, two hundred, whatever, like sometimes I'll go to a hotel and they put a multi hundred dollar hold on it when I check in. That doesn't harm me. But Daniel, that's not what the individual is asking me about where it shows a $1 pending charge is what happens a lot of times where they'll do an inquiry just to make sure it's a valid card. And that usually will be a $1 temporary hold. Clark focuses on nitpicky, insignificant things many times, such as the risk of an updated browser, PC, or phone to perform financial transactions instead of using a dedicated Chromebook. Billions of financial transactions occur daily in the world on shared-use devices with nary an issue. In the same vein, he mentioned the federal deficit's impact on mortgage rates. I checked some resources and didn't find anything listing this as having a significant effect. I asked ChatGPT to sort the various factors affecting mortgage rates. It came back with 12 things, none of which was the federal deficit. The Fed policy, economic conditions, inflation, bond yields, housing market conditions, credit score, down payment, et cetera, are much more important. Please stop being chicken little, Ben. Ben, thank you for that. So I respectfully disagree with you in this case. First of all, you referred to bond yields. Bond yields are the key factor in what sets mortgage rates. Bond yields are higher than they would be otherwise because of the outstanding federal debt and the budget deficit. I think there's a lot of risk to our country with the budget deficit, but you're right. There are many, many factors that affect various types of interest rates, including mortgages and the issue of the federal deficit and the ongoing federal debt of more than $30 trillion is just one factor. Please don't invite people that work from home who have no agenda or urgency to get on the road in the mornings. My commute is already over an hour, and every day I have to deal with some yutz who decides to drive 40 miles per hour in a 55 through areas that make it impossible to pass. If you look at traffic in the morning, you see people driving irrationally every day. They're idiots, and I have to contend with them. But then you have calm drivers who are put in situations behind slower drivers, and they get frustrated, make rash decisions because Grandpa wants to go for a joyride at 6 a.m., and now you want to send Karen out to get her nails done, too. Meanwhile, me and the rest of the working public just want to get to work on time. On time. Please invite the work-from-home crowd to stay off the road until 10-ish, maybe 11, and go home before 3 p.m. That way, people who actually work for a living... Stand a chance of getting to and from work in a decent amount of time, Chuck. 
Chuck, I think traffic's frustrated you yes. a lot. Yes. Um, what I was talking about, maybe I didn't state it clearly, is that a lot of people who work from home tend to do a lot of errands in the afternoon. And your suggestion of mid-morning and generally after about 9.15, 9.30 works in most metro areas, they're going to find a lot less traffic doing those errands and running around mid-morning than they will mid-afternoon or later. Longtime supporter, but you did miss the mark when talking about hiring a realtor. If someone is just beginning but is representing a brokerage that requires extensive training before they're set free to the public, it makes a world of difference. It's the ones who don't bother with the training who will not have the knowledge, Twyla. Twyla, thank you. And the other suggestion I had from somebody after I was talking about that, and that was, that was actual data that I was referring to on pricing when someone's inexperienced, is a lot of agencies now put you with a mentor when you are a newer agent and you learn from that mentor. You have them available to you to guide you and help you. And I think that, in addition to the training, is what can help a newer agent do well in the marketplace and serve their client well. Clark, you stink like a teenage boy's tennis shoes. Wow. You missed the mark on the couple wanting to pay their child's tuition with a credit card. You failed to factor in cash back and sign-up bonuses if they were to be open a new card. There are several cards available that offer 2% cash back, a $200 sign-up bonus, and 12 to 15 months of no interest. That covers the 3% credit card and makes the tuition bill effectively $9,900, allowing them to let their cash grow in a high-yield savings account. Craig. Craig, thank you for that. Uh, that's a lot of work to do all that. And you're assuming that someone who does that will get everything paid off during the interest-free period. Yes, in isolation, the math model you gave is a slight savings on the tuition, but it's not something that that kind of financial engineering is for a very specific person who is obsessive about details and does everything exactly as they intend to do. And there are people like that, but the 3% surcharge is a pretty high hurdle in most cases to overcome. And I appreciate, again, as so often on Clark Stinks, the absolute variety of topics that have been brought forward and the perspectives you've brought towards me that I missed. It makes me rethink things, makes me think in more layers than I did before. And I want you to know the time you spend writing your Clark Stinks helps me and helps us do a better show. So I appreciate it very much. And if you have heard me say something that you feel like, what was Clark thinking? Go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and please post it. Coming up next, one of my favorite children is worrying me. That's credit unions. We're going to talk about why. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. 
For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I love credit unions. I just do. I joined my first credit union when I was 19 years old or 18 years old. It was Pentagon Federal Credit Union when I was a civilian employee with the Air Force back at the tail end of the Vietnam War. And I worked in the Pentagon. And one of the officers, when we were talking about what I was going to do with my paychecks, said, well, you should join the bank downstairs. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, it's Pentagon Federal Credit Union. I didn't know what a credit union was. And so I went in and I joined Pentagon Federal. And I was a member for a long, long time. Then eventually, I joined a different credit union when I moved to another part of the country, Government Employees Credit Union, that then was merged out of existence into something else. And today, I'm in Navy Federal Credit Union. I love the whole purpose of credit unions, to be a co-op, to serve the members, and to provide services to members at a better price than you could get otherwise. And I talk about how credit unions tend to be either borrower's credit unions or saver's credit unions. The difference being some credit unions are all about giving the highest possible rate on savings and CDs far above what a typical bank offers, or they may be one that offers really good rates on loans. If you offer really good rates on loans, it usually means you're not paying as much on the savings side. But that's why I always talk about with car loans, you go to a credit union because credit unions tend to have an interest rate much lower than a bank and a zillion percent lower than financing a vehicle at a dealer, as most people do. They'd be much better served by being a credit union member and prearranging financing at that credit union. So all I've said so far is, isn't this wonderful, isn't this wonderful, isn't this wonderful, isn't this great? Now I get to tell you what's not so great. There's a new disclosure law in California that requires credit unions to do a lot of filings credit unions have never had to do as co-ops. And they have to disclose how much money they're making from various fees, for one thing. And Politico sent a reporter loose to figure out, were credit unions really offering people a good deal or not? And what was stunning is that there were a bunch of credit unions that they found that were charging extremely large overdraft fees or insufficient funds fees to their members, higher than even the high fees that a lot of banks charge. 
And let me tell you, that was really distressing to me. Very, very upsetting. And I may be wrong, but I feel like we got this article from a listener of the podcast. So I was agitated reading the Politico story because credit unions, by their very creation, are supposed to be there by and for the membership. And we do get complaints about a credit union doing this crazy thing or that crazy thing or the other. So it's forcing me to rethink how I explain it. And it's good sometimes to have more nuance than sometimes my brain is able to generate. And so as a general rule, a credit union is a great place to have your money because being there by and for the membership, you're going to get a better shake, a better deal generally at a credit union. But there are credit unions, large, small, and in between. There are credit unions that are managed very well. There are credit unions where the board keeps the focus where it's supposed to be for the benefit of the membership. Then there are others, not so much apparently. So I need to stop painting with such a broad brush. And that's really the message of this. Yes, I love credit unions, but not all credit unions are created equal. All right, we'll head to questions. This one's from Ty in Utah. I know you tout credit oh, unions for a go. lot of things financial. So you loaded that up for me. I, I just did. teed it up for me. Huh? Yep. And I don't disagree with that sentiment. Having been on the board of a small credit union before, I know they are all about bringing monetary value to their members in the form of things such as cheaper loans and lower fees. Having said that, my experience with credit unions has been that they are usually a bit behind in the times with apps and online tools and the like when it comes to everyday banking and are always playing catch up with the mega banks in those areas. I find myself frequently tempted with wanting the latest app features and tools that big banks offer. What advice would you give in that regard? How can I maintain a level head and stick with the smarter move of banking with a credit union and not be continually drawn by the shiny, flashy apps and tools, etc., of the mega banks. Maybe you can articulate your list of pros and cons to credit unions versus mega banks for me. Okay. So you bring up something that's very valid and it hadn't just been an issue for credit unions, except for the very largest of them. Some of the credit unions are behemoths, huge, but for smaller banks, even a lot of regional banks, they have not been able to keep up with the technology that the, let's say the top 15 to 20 banks in the United States have because they have so much money on hand. They have such large amounts of assets and deposits that they can afford to have such state-of-the-art technology and apps and websites and all that. And so that is clearly an area that is a division in the financial sector in the United States that gives a big advantage to the biggest banks. So the technology advantage versus the smaller banks and the credit unions is undeniable. And I don't have an easy solution or answer for you. You know, being a Navy Federal Credit Union member, I'm insulated from that because it's the world's largest credit union. It rivals many of the biggest banks, and their technology is fantastic. But they have the size to do that. And I don't know how we're going to level that playing field in the banking industry just generally. Lance in Utah says, when choosing what credit card to use, I usually choose the one that has the best cashback reward. 
I'm also concerned about scams and security. Are there any cards that have better security than others or are they all about the same? The biggest difference with Security Lance is when you're shopping online and you can use a one-time use code. That is extremely valuable because although there's vulnerability at physical retailers, the greatest vulnerability has been with online shopping and a lot of card issuers now give you the ability to use a one-time use number that even if a criminal has tapped into the database of the seller, they get nothing because it's a one-time use number they got instead of your actual real, what they call now a virtual card number rather than the physical card number that your card has. And GPay and Apple Pay also do those. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. Any credit card is safer to use with tap to pay if you are using GPay or Apple Pay. Sam in South Carolina says, I've discovered termite damage in my house. Uh I have had a termite warranty for the past 25 years. On their last annual inspection in April, they did not find evidence of termites, but advised me to clean the gutters and check for water leaks. I've asked them twice to come and inspect the area of concern to no avail. Should I get a contractor to look at this and provide their recommendations? All right. First of all, this is really dumb of the company you've been paying all these years for termite inspection and protection that now they put you on ignore. I don't know who you're talking to there. I don't know if you're just calling the general number, but you need to step it up here. You need to call and ask to speak to a manager, not fired up, not not unfriendly, but you need to talk to a manager because you're having trouble getting service. I would also think it's a great idea, Sam, if you spend any time on social media to post on social media that you're having this problem. Companies that do pest control and termite control are very image sensitive. This termite company is owned by a very large company, its parent company. And if you called the parent company's office and asked for help, I think you might get some help pretty quickly because they're really image conscious. I would also send an email for sure just to document it. So it's documented in writing. Termites are nothing to mess with. You have this company for a reason. You paid them for 25 years. Now the chips are down. You got those termites. You need them to do their job that they're not doing. So try those things. Please let us hear back from you. And one other thing, if you can't find a good contact at this company, it's always a good idea, and they may not be listed on there, but go to Elliot.org and see if they have contacts that you should email at the company that might get a, a useful response. Remember, do not express anger. Be friendly through the process. If you come off hot under the collar and angry out of your frustration, the response you get is unfriendly. If you're very friendly, but just say you're frustrated, you're not getting the help you need, please help. That should get you the response you need. And again, please let us know if you're able to get those termites under control with the help of the company you've been paying for 25 years. And I want to thank you 
so much for listening today to today's podcast. And I hope that you have an absolutely wonderful weekend. But before it starts, we got the Clarky of the day for you. Hi, this is Sarah from Atlanta, Georgia. And I just wanted to call and thank Clark for his many decades of wisdom in my life. And he has changed the trajectory, not just of my life, but also my family's life with the wise and calm advice that he's provided over the years. Thank you so much to Clark and the entire team for all that you do. Thank you very much, Sarah. And I, I appreciate the kind sentiments that we're hearing. You know, we live in a world right now with a lack of friendliness towards each other. And people are in a big hurry to be angry at each other and fired up. And yeah, there are times that people do things we're going to be fired up about, but kindness is a valuable thing. I believe so much in hearing other people, remembering I have two ears and only one mouth, that I be a good listener and to treat people with respect and kindness. And so thank you so much for expressing those sentiments. And remember, if you have a submission for a Clarkie of the Day, call in 404-981-2071. See you next week.